Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about the reverential fear of God this morning. It's a very important subject in the Word of God. Our first text will be Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 to show us just how important it really is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What's he saying? It's the alphabet of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. In other words, this is to be something that's in the life of the believer so that we can grow in our understanding of the things of God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, notice here in chapter 12, verses 13, 14, this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Well, what's that, Solomon? Fear God. Obey His commands. This is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Well, that can put a little fear in you. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You see, where there's a fear of the Lord, we're motivated to obey. When we lose the fear of the Lord, what happens? Sin can run rapid and abound. Let me give you an example. When uh, I started working in the mill in 1974, Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company, when I got into the plant there, the mill there, and it's a different world, just like an underworld. And I saw all the machinery that was there. Scary stuff. One fellow lost his leg in the high mill. One fellow who was a, a mill worker, um, this, this fellow, he had a pipe. We, we, we actually, in our end, we had a number two mill, 15-inch pipe. We made seamless pipe for the uh, oil, gas line and all that. Well, they made two and a half inch. This pipe went right through his stomach, in and out the other end. You see, when you first get down there and you see all that machinery, you respect it. You have reverence for it. You see what can happen. And so you're cautious and you're careful when you work around it. But after you've been there for three, four, five, six years, it's like, oh, just going to work today. And you kind of lose a little bit of that respect and start doing things without caution. One meal, right? I don't even like saying this to you. This one mill, right? We had a two, three thousand pound billets, these iron billets that you made these the pipe out of. And it would go through a piercer. It would, first of all, a furnace that heated up to 2200 degrees. And then it would go through a, a piercer, would pierce it in the middle and, and so on. And then it would get to the point where, you know, they would flip it off. And they had these, it was like a claw like finger, claw, and like an S shape. And one would be on the bottom, one would be on the top, and would take the billet as it rolled down, and it's red hot, and flip it over to go to the next place. When the millwrights go in there and they work, uh, before it opens up, before the mill starts running, they go check out all the equipment, make sure everything's working okay. And when you get careless and cautious, and you're not cautious, this one millwright was underneath there, working, and another guy pushed the button. I don't need to say anything more, do I? 
You can't even imagine what that scene was like. So what I'm saying is when, just like in the natural, when we lose that reverence, that respect for things like that kind of machinery that you're around all the time, it's easy just to back off and think that everything's okay. In the natural, but in the, in the spiritual, the same thing is true. We walk with God and we thank God he's our Abba Father and we love him and he loves us and everything. But you know what? The fear of the Lord is to be upon us the entirety of our journey on this side of heaven. Look in First uh, Peter. Uh, I'm sorry, look in Hebrews chapter 12 first, and then we'll go to First Peter. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. Well, how's that, Lord? With reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Wow. Okay, I get it. So, reverence and godly fear, what does it promote? Serving God acceptably. Look in First Peter and what he says here about our journey. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Wow. So we can see the value and the importance of really maintaining godly reverential fear and reverencing his presence in our lives every day. And so to fear him because he's the creator of heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is. He's the one who created us. He's the right to govern our lives, does he not? And to come up with laws and mandates that we're to follow. And when we have godly reverential fear, we're motivated to do that. But where there's no fear, sin will abound. People are not afraid any longer. This says to step out of those boundaries and just live the way they want to live and do what they want to do. And you know, we're living in a season of time right now. I believe the darkness is getting darker and I believe the light is getting lighter. And I believe there's a separation of the wheat and the tare, don't you? That's taking place right now. The ones that are really want to be in and those that are out. And we that want to be in, we want to serve God, walk with God, honor God, obey God. You have a reverential fear for God and you'll have it all the days of your life. And if we ever get to the place that maybe that's at low ebb, we need a service like this. So we can come before God once again and invite that manifestation of godly reverential fear to rekindle in all of our lives, to blanket our lives. Now look in the, in the book of Deuteronomy. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words talks about fear, reverential fear, being a controlling motive of the life in matters spiritual and moral. It's a wholesome dread of displeasing God in any way. That's what it is. And would it be wonderful if that was upon us all the time? Why? To keep things in control in our lives. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. And then uh, look in the message translation of that same verse. So now, Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this. Live in his presence in holy reverence. Follow the road, road he sets out for you. Love him. Serve him, your God, with everything you have in you. Obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. Live a good life. So what's he saying? This is all based on godly reverential fear. 
In other words, because we have reverence for God and we fear the living God in a proper way, it affects how we live, how we conduct ourselves, our conduct, our character, our behavior, our walk, our speech, and all the things that we do, we do because we fear Him, the living God, in a proper way, not an improper way. We have a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. We don't want to displease Him in any way, and so we're motivated to live right. As a matter of fact, that verse in Hebrews, when it talked about the, that we're to serve God acceptably with godly reverential fear, Remember, if you read the prior verses to that, it's talking about when Moses was on Mount Sinai and he got the law and the earth began to quake and the, the, it was like the mountain was on fire. And it says, and if you even touch, an animal even touched the mountain, they were consumed. For God's a consuming fire. It was such an awesome sight that, that Moses himself, the Bible says, was in fear, godly fear, and quaked. Can you imagine that? So he goes on to say, but we've not come to that mountain. Aren't you glad that you haven't come to that mountain? We've come to Mount Zion, but it doesn't mean that God is any less of a consuming fire, does it? He's still a consuming fire. But thank God for the time of grace. Aren't you glad we live under grace right now? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now, in the book of Acts, if you're ready for this, I, I don't know. We, we, we all should be ready for this. We're going to give us a dose of what it's like, how to be reinvigorated with the uh, godly reverential fear in our lives. Okay. Now, remember the word gnosko. How many remember the word gnosko that we talked about? And gnosko means what? Experience reality. It doesn't mean that you know the ingredients of the cake. It means you tasted the cake. That's becoming one with it. It doesn't mean you understand the academics about electricity. It means you touched it. And what did it do to you? It zapped you. Now you've become one with it. So when it comes to these teachings and it comes to this understanding of godly reverential fear, what do we want? We want to become one with it. I want it to impact me in a way so as to move me and motivate me, motivate me to serve him in the way he wants me to serve him. <clears throat> well, how do we get that? Get your seatbelts on. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? It's coming. Here it is. Acts chapter 5. But Peter said, Ananias, <clears throat> why have you filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not yours? After it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. <clears throat> How was your service today? Oh, it was pretty good. <laughs> Anything particular happen? Oh, yeah, we had one little event took place. What was that? Ananias got judged and fell dead right before our eyes because he lied to the Holy Ghost. Well, we'll stop there, though, because then you see his wife came in later. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verses 10 and 11. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. If you just heard it, great fear came. 
how did that service end? <laughs> did anybody prophesy? How, how, nobody moved. <clears throat> nobody said a thing. As a matter of fact, word got out in the community, and as the scripture goes on to say, and no one would even join themselves to them who were insincere about truly serving God. How many of you are glad that we don't have those kinds of judgments today? Can you imagine? This was the inception of the church. This is why the harshness of the judgment. Up until this point, guess what? They were experiencing signs, wonders, miracles, fellowship, breaking of bread, etc. Look at Acts chapter 2. All this stuff was going on before this happened. <clears throat> and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common. So this kind of fear was the fear that their lives were in danger. But now when this happened and Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and brought this kind of attitude into the church, they were harshly judged immediately and they died. Godly fear was the result. Imagine that. Godly fear was the result. So if we want a baptism in godly reverential fear, I'd rather read about it. <laughs> I don't think we'd have a volunteer. Because <laughs> we've all missed the mark, haven't we? How many of you know that Ananias and Sapphira are not the only two people that ever missed the mark? We all have, haven't we? Sure we have. Well, let's go on. Look in the book of Matthew chapter 10. Here we have Jesus speaking. He says, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He is referencing two authorities. He's talking about man's authority. He's talking about God's authority. And it's very easy for us to say to be fearful of men and what they think and want to please men and what they think. But no, civil authorities... All they can do is probably sentence us to death and take our physical lives away from us if we've committed a crime. But the one we should fear is the living God who can do what? Sentence us to an eternal lake of fire. Now, there's a difference between the two. Wouldn't you say one is temporary and the other one is eternal? And we would rather have the fear of God upon us to his, so as to motivate us to live right. Why? So that we can have eternal life. Now, if you recall... Look, look, look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 29. Uh, the fear of man is not the fear of God. In this verse, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. So in other words, we can fear man so much. We want to please man so much that we'll do what man wants to do, but yet at the expense of what? Dishonoring God and not doing it God's way. If you recall the three Hebrew children that were in a burning fire furnace, they were told by Nebuchadnezzar the king that if you don't bow down and worship my image, then you will be thrown into that furnace. And who's going to save you? Who's going to bring you out? Who's going to help you then? What's going to happen to you then? And they said, oh, king, we're not even concerned about answering you. The God that we serve, he can and he will deliver us out of your hand, oh, king. If you throw us in, he'll bring us out. If you don't, we still will not bow down and worship your God. That's not the fear of man. That's the fear of what? That's the fear of God. They had this godly reverential fear. They exalted him above the thoughts of men or the idea of pleasing man. And so as a result, of course, they stayed the course. 
They didn't bend. They didn't bow. They, they didn't burn as a result of what? Honoring God first and saying, I'd rather be thrown in there than to dishonor my God. But we could stop right there and say we had a meeting. Wouldn't you say? I would rather burn in that fiery furnace than displease and dishonor my God. What an attitude everybody should have. Every single one of us should live by that attitude. I'd rather serve God, obey God, and do it His way than to do it my way. Look in Acts chapter 4 because here we see the same thing happening. Peter and John were at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. You know the story of the man that was healed who had never walked in 38 years? He was lifted up by Peter who said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand, lifted him up. His, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He was leaping, walking, entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God, right? Well, they get brought into question as to why they did this, how they did this, and so on and so forth. And so they realize there's a stir that's been created here. And look in Acts chapter 4, what they do. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it be right in, your, in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What were they saying? We fear God more than we fear you. You can say what you want, but we're not going to honor that because you're telling us to disobey and dishonor God. I am not going to disobey God. I'm not going to dishonor God by doing what you want me to do. I'm going to do what God said to do. And he said for me to proclaim that Jesus is Lord of all. And in Acts chapter 2, he preached that so profoundly that 3,000 souls came to Jesus. They were born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so you see, he was more fearful of God. He reverenced God, honored God above the will of man. That is godly reverential fear. So fearing the Lord is not fearing man. It's putting God above man. Also, it's not a natural fear. Anybody here have fear of snakes? I see a lot of bobbing heads. Fear of the dark, fear of death, fear of uh, flying. There are phobias that people have. I remember when I was about 12 years old that um, I used to... I took lessons at T. Ross Studios, and that was in Struthers, Ohio, when I was about 11. I started at 11 years old. And they had a, a music guild that took place, and it was in downtown Pittsburgh, and it was at the Hilton. I believe when you come through the tubes, and that first, is that the first one? It used to be the Hilton years ago, the Hilton Hotel. Yeah. So uh, I was real young. We went with the team, and we went to that guild. And we got into the elevator, and it was packed like sardines. And we got stuck. I would have been okay until the lady behind me said, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. It must have been about 15 minutes or whatever it was. I'm telling you, it was a scary experience for an 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid. It was like, it took a while for me. to. I took the stairs most of the time after that. It was one of those impacting moments in your life that you go, whoa. You know, so it's, it's not any of these, like the being claustrophobic and, and fear of uh, spiders or snakes or anything like that. It's not a natural fear. It is a supernatural, reverential fear for God. Isaiah saw the Lord high, lifted up. His train filled the temple. The angels cried, holy. And when he saw all this, 
He said, I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And he fell down before the Lord when he saw the awesome holiness of God. See, it's, it's being able to experience the holiness of God in such a way that you realize God's a consuming fire. He's our creator. And you know what? Sometimes when people ask questions like, should I do this or should I do that? Does God say I can do this or I can't do that? You know, really, to be honest with you, if you really love God and you want to get before him and honor him with your life, the reason that you should want to do the right thing, and if, you're, if it's questionable, don't even do it because you fear him. You have reverence for him. Does that make sense? So don't try to say, I'm going to pass to do what? A pass to do this. No. Cause and effect. The fear of the Lord will cause someone to depart from evil. Look at Proverbs 16 and verse 6. There are so many scriptures. It's, the Bible is laced with scriptures about the fear of God. As a matter of fact, how many of you remember when Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, what he said that would happen to him? The spirit of the Lord would be upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord would be upon the Messiah. Imagine that. The fear of the Lord upon Jesus himself, the Messiah. The fear of the Lord. Which is why he did everything his father said to do when he walked upon the earth. But look at this verse in Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You know what's most important when you read that verse? Don't say what they're doing is wrong. Get the fear of God in them. And when we get the fear of God in us, you won't want to do it. When we fear God, we'll depart from evil, is what the verse says. Amen. So that's the motivation that we have. The motivating force is the fear of God. Once again, we're not talking about a natural fear. We're not talking about like you would be afraid of snakes. Or as if he's a mean God. Not at all. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And as a result, he wants us to walk in holiness and righteousness. Look at the next one in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's a strong word, isn't it? Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Wow. If I'd say we're going to run a sale on duct tape after the service is over, we'd probably sell out. Because God hates this. He hates it. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In other words, passionately hate it. You know, if I can meddle just this little, little bit. Can I do that just for a little? Have your permission? How many give me permission a little bit? Now it's a lot. Now I can meddle a lot. I don't know how anybody can call themselves a Christian and support abortion. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. I just don't. There's nothing more evil on the planet. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing more evil on this planet. When you have a baby that's just about to be born and you can go in there with snips and you can cut out his brain and suck it out. There is nothing more evil than that. I don't get it. So let's not tell him what's right and wrong. Let's get the fear of God in the people. Don't you fear God? 
I like to tell some of these doctors that perform these procedures. Don't you fear God. You're not God. I'm sorry to tell you. Don't you fear God. And basically, we could ask ourselves the question every single day about what I'm going to do. Do I fear God? Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Once again, notice the statement. Let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor, detest what is evil. Cleave to what is good. That's the same word like in the back in the beginning. Leave, cleave, become one. To cleave means to weld yourself to it. Make yourself one with it. This is what I mean by gnosko. It's becoming one with it. Experiencing it. When we experience the fear of God, it does something to us. It makes us say, no, I'm not bending, I'm not bowing, and I'm not burning. I'm not going into your furnace. Adam and Abihu found out that when they stepped into a place they did not belong, they were consumed by the fire of God. What do you think that created in the lives of all the other people that thought, I wonder if I can go in there and do that. Ooh, not now. Not now. No way, I'm not going to do that now. There's no way. Absolutely not. So, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, it also promotes health. And at a time like this, who doesn't want health? Be not wise in your own eyes. Everybody say it with me. Fear the Lord. Fear. Say it again. Fear the Lord. Once again, that's godly, reverential fear. That's a, a desire within our hearts to not to displease Him. A wholesome dread of displeasing Him. It's a controlling motive of the, of the life in matters moral and spiritual. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your what? The navel. And marrow to your what? Notice he's talking about two important things here. Your navel and your bones. Bone marrow. That's where you get your immune system from. And think about... Your navel, that's the lifeline in, that, in the womb. The umbilical cord is connected to the mom to get all the nourishment, life, health, all that that child needs to survive and live. So when we fear the Lord, depart from evil, what happens? It's health to my navel, my very core, and marrow to my bones so that my immune system can function the way God wants it to function. Also, number three, it perfects holiness. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, and wait a minute, let's take a moment to back that up. You don't have to pull it up, I'll just quote it. Prior to this, what did he say? What communion has righteousness with unrighteousness or darkness with light? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Who's dwelling in us? God is dwelling in us. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I will walk in them. Imagine that. What redemption do we have? What kind of people are we that the living God indwells us? Having therefore these precious promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Let's pull it back up. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? Holiness. How is it perfected? In the fear of God. In the fear of God. So we perfect holiness in the fear of God. So to try to perfect holiness by saying, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. Uh-uh. 
Get a glimpse of the holiness of God. Get a glimpse of the fear of God. Get a baptism of the fear of God. And you know what? It'll make our decision-making process easier. I don't want to fear God. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to dis displease God in any possible way. To perfect holiness in our lives. Uh, look at this one. I think it's Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with laughter and... No... With what? Now, Paul, why are you talking like that? Why are you saying something like that, Paul? Work out your... I'm saved. Yeah, but work it out. It's on the inside. To get it from the inside to get it to the outside requires what? Fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of whatever your people want you to do. Whatever your neighbor wants you to do. Whatever your friends want you to do. No. Whatever his good pleasure is in our lives. So in other words, God is at work in all of us. Trying to get our attention to say, this is the way walking in it. There's a voice behind our ear that says softly, this is the way walking in it. He wants us to walk out what his desired will is for all of our lives. That's what he wants for all of us. But once again... You could see how when you just tell somebody, you shouldn't do that, that can become offensive. Defense walls go up. Uh-uh. Do you fear God? Do we fear God? I know we live in a time right now that God's become so close, we're so friendly that we can say, Abba Father. And I know that. Don't get me wrong. He's my Abba Father. He's your Abba Father. He's still God. He's still a consuming fire. Is He not? He's still on the throne. Is He not? He still made laws and... Commandments that we're to keep, are we not? Yeah. I believe the body of Christ needs a baptism in the fear of the Lord. I believe so. A baptism in the fear of the Lord. Why? So that we do things the way He wants us to do them. Honoring Him, putting Him first in our lives, our ministries. That's what He wants for all of us. Well, this fear of the Lord is to, is to really in, influence our conduct, our character, our speech, our attitudes, our decision-making process, and everything else. And there's so much that we can say about that. I mean, so much. But let's just real quickly go through this as we close. Number one, walking in the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. How do we do this? Number one, it's a choice. Look at Proverbs one twenty nine. For that they hated knowledge. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? He said earlier, knowledge, verse 7. And did not what? What's that next word? Did not what? Choose the fear of the Lord. It's a, you see, it's a choice. It's a choice. I remember one, I said this a long time ago, but I, um, when I first got saved, I used to play in bands, play the guitar in bands, and we had these bands. We would go into these nightclubs and, and all that. This is BC. This is before Christ and all that. And back then you had bands that played, live bands that played like the, the, the Mark. There was a Mark up in Youngstown. There was one in Sharon, Ohio. We would go all these different places. Bar mitzvahs. Wedding ceremonies, um, class reunions, and all that. And I really got myself baptized, but not not in Holy Ghost water, but in beer. 
I mean, I'm dodging beer bottles. And on this one occasion, you've seen some of this on TV. This was real. This wasn't TV. We're looking at each other. I'm playing my guitar going like this. And I'm dodging a beer bottle because this wedding ceremony had different families that were in it. I don't know if there were three or four families represented because there were divorces and all that. And it hit. I mean, it hit. And when it hit, they wanted us to play longer. They're fighting among themselves. They want us to play longer. We said, no, we've got to get done at 11 o'clock. They said, you're not leaving. You're not going anywhere. They start throwing bottles at us while we're playing. So finally, we just started backing off, got my guitar back in its case and picked up the amplifier and just took it off to the back. And we ran out the place. Ran out the place. It was one of those situations where, wow, I wasn't saved. I didn't know that. But when we went to a, well, actually, we went to a particular nightclub, and at that place, we just went there because we heard that they needed a band to play. And this is all BC, okay? And so four of us went in. We sat down at a table in this nightclub. I start trembling because I just got saved. I was used to playing. This was supplementing my income. This is how I was paying for my $82 a month mortgage. You're looking at me like, I, my gas costs more than that in my car a week. Yeah, $82 a month. But I made 25 bucks or 30 bucks on the weekend doing that. So I sat at that table and I started trembling. Everybody's looking at me like, well, what's the matter with you? I said, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. I don't belong here. I don't want to be here. I just shook and shook and shook. I got up. I know it was the fear of the Lord was upon me. I know it was the Holy Ghost manifesting himself on me. I got up, I walked out, I left, and I quit the band. I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I, and then I realized, I didn't know that you could use your guitar to play like in a band, like, like here, in a group like that. I went to a church and I had to put away. I had to, you know, shove away. Then when a the pastor found out I played guitar, he asked me if I would play. Now you have to understand, I just got saved. I'm coming from a rock and roll band. I just got saved. And he said, would you play? So I started doing some riffs. All of a sudden, everybody stopped. What are you doing? You asked me to play, I'm playing. That's it. You know, then I realized you could use it for the Lord too. You know, over the process of time, you learn these things. You develop in these things. You don't know them all right off the bat. You realize that. It takes years. Now, I'm not telling somebody else that you, what you need to do what you don't need to do. But I'm telling you, for me, for me, I could not walk back into a place like that and play my guitar in that place ever again. Done. I would use it to serve the Lord, but that would be it. And uh, there's a lot more to be said about that. But it's a decision. It's a choice that we make. Number two, it should be our ambition. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. It should be our ambition. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or, or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may re be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. How do we persuade men? With the fear of the Lord. But we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. What's he saying? What's Paul saying? Man, you can do what you want. You can live the way you want. But I'll tell you what, once you find out what the fear of the Lord is, it'll change it. Uh, look at verse 11 in the Amplified Bible. Let's, can we throw that up there? 
Same verse, same text, but the Amplified Bible. Therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over to persuade them, but what sort of persons we are is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood by God. And I hope that it is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood also by your consciences, your inborn discernment. You see what he's saying to us? We're living at a time right now, and I can go back years ago. I'm just going to close. We're going to do this. Years ago, talking about a lot of the changes that were taking place within the body of Christ. Coming out of the charismatic movement and seeing how things were taking place. The holiness of God that was in manifestation. But then you get to a place where people were just, everything went. No respect for coming into the sanctuary. No respect for, for honoring God, serving God, walking with God. Um, in, in many different ways. I'll just say that way. One way was music. One way was really music. You know, and... I thank God for music. I thank God for worship. But I'll tell you what, we need to worship the living God. That's what it's all about. Not entertaining young people with what they want to hear. It's truly worshiping God. But that fell by the wayside. And when that fell by the wayside, things began to, I believe, decline. But um, I'm looking for godly reverential fear to be restored to the church. I really am. We all need it individually in our homes and also within the body of Christ. We think about this. When John was on the Alapatmos, he said, I saw him that sat upon the throne. And there was a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice and saying, who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? It is nobody. Nobody is worthy to take the book. Neither look thereon. He said, I wept much, but an elder came to me and said to me, don't weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, he's prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I... Beheld, in the midst of the throne, the elders stood a lamb as he had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth to all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. There was only one that could do that. His name is Jesus. When he took the book, they all came forth. The beast, the elders, and 24 elders, and they bowed down before the lamb, having everyone harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints, and they sung a new song saying, You are Worthy. Everybody say with me, he is worthy. He is worthy. Say it again, he is, worthy. he is worthy. Now say it, you are worthy. You mean it. Say it to him, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of my reverence. You are worthy of my godly reverential fear. You are worthy of my decision-making process. You are worthy to govern my life. For me to surrender myself to you, you are worthy to do it your way and not my way. You are worthy. What credentials? When he took that book and they bowed down and they began to worship, there were angels around the throne. The number was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in earth, under the earth, and such as are in the sea, heaven, earth, and in the earth, and such as are in the sea, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power. And the elders joined together as well. And guess what? We'll be a part of that scene. Aren't you glad to know you're going to be a part of that scene? Hallelujah. We all are. But once again, he's worthy of that. And that's who we're dealing with. As we step beyond this realm and we get to the spiritual realm, once that step takes place and we're all getting closer. I looked at my birth certificate the other day. I'm getting closer. Are you getting closer? We're all getting closer. Right? One step away and there we are off into glory. There's, it's too late then to make any changes. The Lord just speaking to my heart about really, 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 once again, promoting godly, reverential respect and fear of God.
And that's why we don't have cup holders. That's why we don't say bring in your coffee cup and drink it here as we gather. This is a throne as far as I'm concerned. This is a place where we meet the living God. We could eat anywhere you want. We could drink anywhere you want. Can you say amen? Is this all me? Am I crazy or what? Let, it, let praise and worship be done on earth as it is where? How's it being done in heaven? They bowed down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. They bowed down and they said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Would you stand with me just for a moment?